Okay, we got a few extroverts this morning. Very good. So I'm always reminded every time we do baby dedication um, about how horrible it can be sometimes when um, when you have a, a little girl who my my daughter is uh, six, just turned six yesterday, and she literally screamed the entire baby dedication. So uh, Tatum, wherever he's at, he did good. He cried a little bit, but I think Scarlett cried worse still. I think it's been six years, and I don't know if there's been another baby dedication as horrible as mine. So uh, <laughs> I have grace upon grace for the parents. My name is Josh, and uh, I'm the pastor of worship arts here at Lakeside, and uh, sometimes I get asked this question. Um, I get asked, I see, I, you're up there doing music, I see what you're doing with the band, that's awesome, but like, what do you really do? Like, what do you do during the week? Do you have another job, or what is it that you do? And I have friends who are in a similar like positions as me at other churches that get asked that question, and sometimes they get a little bit offended. They're like, what? I work really hard. Like, this is a big job. But for me, I actually absolutely love that question. And the reason I love that question is because I love what I do at Lakeside. I really do. I feel like God has uniquely gifted me with gifts and passions and dreams and desires to just do a really good job of what I do here at Lakeside. And I think that uh, he's given each of us unique gifts and unique passions and desires and dreams that make us really great for wherever he's placed us in our lives. And that's not only true for people. But it's also true for churches that God has designed Lakeside in a unique and beautiful way. Lakeside is unlike any other church in the entire world. And that's a beautiful thing. Not better, not worse. We're just unique. One of the ways we talk about this, and Brad mentioned this earlier, is we say we talk about why we do what we do in the way that we do it. And that's what we're talking about this weekend. And specifically talking about that in regards to the weekend gatherings which is where we are. We are in the weekend gathering. So we have four of these every weekend. We get together for about an hour and we, we do some similar things each week and try and do some new things and different things. But we're going to be looking at what makes our weekend gathering special and unique. So I have the opportunity to talk about music. And I will say that I, what I get to do here at Lakeside is I get to help plan our weekend gatherings. And there's a lot that goes into it because we take it very seriously. It's a big responsibility. And so we take it very seriously. I work with several of our other pastors. We have a team. And, and I just feel like it's the most incredible job in the entire world. So I'm very grateful to be able to do that. So I'm going to talk about music, and I'll, I'll say this up front. Uh, all the things that we're talking about today, there's, there's no way that we could cover every aspect of why we do what we do and the way we do it with regards to the weekend. I've got like eight minutes, so I'm going to go real fast. But if you want to talk more about music, whether it's music in the church or music outside the church, hit me up. I would love it. I could talk for hours. So make sure you come and find me. Okay, we're going to start off by doing something a little bit interactive. Can we do some interactive church here today? I know Brad likes to do this sometimes, but I'm going to get you guys singing, okay? All right, so here's what we're going to do. So I'm going to sing the first line of a song that I'm hoping everybody knows, okay? I'm pretty sure you will. And then you're going to sing the next line. So you're not going to repeat. I'm going to point my mic at you, and you're going to sing the next line. It's very easy. Here we go, all right? Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Wow, very nice, very nice. Okay, uh, another song here. Don't stop believing. Nice, okay, one more. Because, baby, there ain't no mountain high enough. Sorry, that one wasn't in the best key for everybody. (laughs) 
Isn't that amazing? We just, we just all sing these three songs without having any like preparation just came right out of us all together. Music has the power to unify people. It has the power to unify us around a common uh, lyric and a common melody. And when we sing these songs on the weekends, we are doing something together. It's something that's beautiful to be unified singing these songs. In fact, what we, another way that we say this sometimes is it has the power to cement truths into our hearts and into our souls. Because we didn't have lyrics on the screen for you guys, did we? You knew those lyrics. You knew those melodies. They came right to you. And so our hope is that as we sing these songs on the weekends, that it cements the truth and the beauty in these songs into your hearts. And you might walk out of this, this building humming the melody and humming a tune that we, of a song we sang this weekend. I don't know if you might be. You might walk out of the room repeating Brad's message in your mind and maybe saying a few lines like what he might have said. But I don't know why I just did that little walk. <laughs> Like, I really do love my job. I do, I do. <laughs> but those melodies and, and the lyrics, they, they get cemented on our souls. You see this in the scriptures too. And, and unfortunately, we don't know the melodies of the Psalms. But, but we see uh, David when, in Psalms repeating lines and repeating phrases. You know, he'll say, his love endures forever. And then he'll sing another, he'll read another line. And then his love endures forever. And he, he wants those truths to cement into our souls. So music unifies us around these common truths that get cemented into our souls. Another thing about music that's really powerful is it has the ability to memorialize transformational moments in our lives. And I don't know about you guys, but there's songs that I hear where no matter where I'm at, I'm immediately transported to some time in my past, right? So for me, uh, Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory album, I don't know if you guys know this. Every time I hear that song, it came out when I was in high school, or that album, it came out when I was in high school, and I just got my driver's license, and I, I would, was the one who was responsible to take trips to the city dump in my truck and dump all the trash, and I would just crank that album like up to 10 with the windows down. And every time I hear that album, I like am immediately back in my truck taking trips to the dump. It's so weird. And I can even sometimes smell, you know, smell the dump because our senses work together like that. They, they kind of work in, in, uh, in concert with one another. Uh, for me, there's, a, there's another one that uh, isn't quite as uh, lighthearted as that, but, but music has the ability, right, to, to memorialize these moments. Um, so I mentioned we have our little uh, daughter, six, who's six years old, and then our son is Oliver. He's nine. So they were, they're both beautiful children. And between their two births, we had two pregnancies that ended in miscarriage. And uh, it was a very difficult uh, season of life for my wife and I, very you know, challenging with our faith and, and our emotionally and our relationship with one another even. Um, and as the second miscarriage was beginning to happen, because we had already gone through this, uh, we, we kind of knew what was coming. We knew the signs, and so it, was, it wasn't going to be a surprise to us. And so I called our doctor, and I said, you know, hey, this is what's going on. And he said, yeah, I get to the hospital. And so we, we got out to the car together, got in the car, and I didn't know what to say to my wife. We knew we were driving to the hospital because we were losing our baby. We knew it. And so all I could think of was to put on a song, and it's a song called Healer, and we haven't sung it in a while here at Lakeside, but it, it goes like this. It goes, I believe you're my healer. I believe you are all I need. And we just had it on loop. 
Every single time I hear that song, I'm back in that moment. I'm back in that car, driving to the hospital. That was a transformational moment for my family. And we believe, because our mission here at Lakeside is to transform as many people as possible into passionate, productive followers of Jesus, that he is going to be transforming us here on the weekends. The Holy Spirit wants to meet us here in different moments and change us. One of the prayers that we pray almost every single weekend here at Lakeside is that we would walk out of this room different than we walked in because we believe that if we're not transforming, if God's not working on our hearts, that we're not fulfilling our mission. So when God is transforming and working on our hearts and working on our, our, our minds and our souls, we want to memorialize those moments. Music has that ability. So we hope that when we're singing a song in a moment where you're encountering Jesus or you're having this transformational experience of whatever that looks like for you, we want you to, in 10 years, to hear that song and think back and remember all that God's done in your life. Remember the transformation that he's been able to do in your hearts because that's a beautiful thing, right? And sometimes we'll sing songs that aren't necessarily of a, a, the Christian genre of a, of a song that you would hear on a Christian radio because we believe that there is truth and beauty all around us, that you don't have to necessarily be a Jesus follower to write a song that is full of beauty and truth and redemption. And, and we hope that when you hear these songs, maybe you'll hear these songs out in the mall or when you're at a restaurant or wherever, and you'll be reminded of when we sang it in church and think about the transformation that God has done in your life. We try and reframe and reshape these, these, uh, these incredible, beautiful songs and point to Jesus. And thirdly, uh, and the last thing that I'll talk about today is we believe that God has created us in his image. And part of what that looks like is that he has created us to be creative. And so we uh, follow the command to sing a new song and try and write original music out of our story at Lakeside. So we try and take what God's doing in our lives and in our church and in our community and write songs of worship and praise to God out of those stories. And sometimes we write songs that we intend for all of us to sing together, which we did this morning. This, the first song that we sang together is a song that was written out of Lakeside. And a lot of our favorite songs we sing here at church are songs that came out of our story and original music here at Lakeside. And sometimes we write songs for specific moments, uh, specific times and gatherings. And uh, a couple years ago, we did a, um, a Good Friday service. And what we did was we looked at the Good Friday um, story and Jesus' crucifixion from the perspective of several different people in that story. So we looked at it from Mary, the mother of Jesus, and from the disciples' perspective, and then uh, from a few other characters' perspectives. And we challenged our songwriters to write songs with that in mind, thinking about some specific people in that um, story. And what we did was we said, what, what if you like, put yourself in their shoes? What if that was you? How would you handle that? How, what would be going on in your mind? What, is, what do we have in common with those people? And so uh, Jameson right back here, he's going to sing a song and share with you guys what's become my favorite song from that night. And he wrote it from the perspective of Pilate. And if you don't know who Pilate is, he was the man who sentenced Jesus to his death. And he even talked with Jesus and found no wrong in what he had done and wanted to release him. But the crowds were calling for Jesus' crucifixion. They were saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. So can you imagine 
the conflicting uh, emotions and thoughts of what Pilate must have been going through? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about what it was what it must have been like to have these mobs of people calling and calling and screaming at you, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. What if that was you? Is there hope? 
Thanks, man. I love that. I can't think of anything more powerful than stories that are told out of our own experience by people in our own family. I mean, that's, that's great. And uh, when I say own family, I, I mean like a brother because I'm not old enough to be his dad. There's like five years difference between us. So that was great, man. Yeah, thank you. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, my official title is the curator. And if you're wondering what that mumbo jumbo is about, well, if you go to a museum and you meet a curator, the curator is concerned with uh, collecting things, giving tours through that, and really ha- overall, has an overall concern for the, uh, the experience that everybody has in that place. And that's what I really do here is that uh, we collect things here. We collect moments, right? And we, and we put them together because we're all always concerned that on a weekend, wherever we're at, that we're just moving that much closer to God. Wherever we're at on the continuum, we're moving that much closer. And so what does that mean uh, when you come to a place like Lakeside? Well, you probably noticed a lot as soon as you got in here and walked through the doors into the lobby. We had live music going in the lobby. There's a wall that you can write on. Uh, There's another interactive wall right across from that. There's an info bar where uh, where you can engage with people and ask what's going on here. We have a barista bar. It's, it's, it's highly experiential. And when you come into this place too, uh, beyond the singing, sometimes we do things like we get up out of our seats or we write in journals. Uh, when we have uh, a baptism here, it's not just a, a tank in the middle of the room. Sometimes we haul in two tons of rock and build a rock garden in a pond around it. And then sometimes we ask everybody to take a bottle and go up to that baptismal and dip it into the water and take it back to their seat and pray for the people who are going to be baptized baptized and then go pour that water back in. Uh, There's a reason that we do all of those things. There's a reason. It's not just for the panache. It's it's not just for the the sizzle. Uh, It's not entertainment. It's because we believe at the core of who we are that God is a very creative, experiential, participatory, and interactive God right? And now there's some science behind this too, the reason that we do this. So here's the science part. You ready, science nerds? You like your neuroscience kids? All right. Do you know what it means to ruminate? Have you heard this before? I mean, have you ever said, hmm, let me ruminate on that for a little while? It means think something over and over and over. If you have a ruminatory animal, uh, if if rumination looks like this, a goat does it. chewing their cud, right? That's rumination. You do the same thing over and over. So when we think the same things over and over, and when we do the same things over and over, neuroscience tells us that we create literal ruts in our brain. It's fascinating. 
Now, if you don't think that you do the same thing over and over, ask yourself, where am I sitting today as compared to where I sat last week when I came to church or the last 15 years, right? Like we're creatures of habit. Okay, so there's good things and there's bad things about rumination. Uh, Here's the good things. Uh, We can create good habits. We can become multitaskers, right? If you're a mom and you can have five kids running around the house, answer math questions, be on your phone, cook dinner, and change a poopy diaper at the same time, then you're thankful for rumination, right? Because those, you create pathways in your mind and you can become a multitasker. Now, where does it go bad? If you are like me and you've ever suffered with things like OCD or depression or anxiety, or maybe you experience post-traumatic stress, neuroscience says that rumination can be a tough thing for us, right? Because it's hard for us to break out of those ruts. So new experiences are extremely important for us on a scientific level to get us to think differently, to help us to grapple with things, to help us discern things, to help us learn things differently. So there's a whole science behind this. But there's also a biblical model for us. If we look throughout the Bible and we see how were people worshiping or how did Jesus and people who were teaching about Jesus, how did they engage with people? Uh, Jesus rarely just gave a sermon. Rarely did Jesus just say, hey, here's some things that I want to just pour into your head, these inert ideas, and I want you to learn these things, have them down pat. There was always some hands-on experiential thing, whether he was spitting into dirt and making mud and rubbing it in somebody's eyes, or he was walking on water, or he was changing water to wine. Uh, Jesus was always concerned with the experience, and he was inviting people into this. Now, before Jesus even shows up on the scene, we can look in the Old Testament, and we can see that God has always been concerned with experience and participatory and interactive things. For example, if you look in the book of Exodus, you will find in Exodus 31, uh, you will meet two guys. Uh, Oh, I should know their names. Bezaliel and Ohiliab. I think that's their names. Anyway, don't don't check me on that. Just pretend I know what I'm talking about. But these guys, uh, these guys were artists that God said, I'm going to set these guys apart and I'm going to ask them to then in turn create a team of people that is going to be concerned with the artistry and the experience that happens in the tabernacle. And I mean, it goes into, in these books, it goes into detail with, with the gold and, and the precious metals and the woods and the fabrics and the things that were on the walls and the things that were set on the table and the placement of those things and, and the garments, the, the things that the, the priests had to wear, which was like a, a cross between like Lenny Kravitz and Huggy Bear. Yeah, like, it was like there was, there was it, God was very, I, I, forgive me for saying that, just take that back. That didn't happen sometimes. I, I don't know what happens. I don't know what's going on up here sometimes. Uh, definitely not rumination, uh, apparently. Uh, so, um, but anyway, God is very concerned with those things because he created us. And he knows that things that are visual and tactile and hands-on and participatory and interactive help us understand better things about him. And in the tabernacle, we got this earthly picture of this heavenly reality. And then you see this carried on through the church and you see this great freedom that God gives us to create those experiences and invite people into it. There's another story, one of my favorites, uh, and I'm not making this stuff up. In Ezekiel chapter 4, we read about Ezekiel where God kind of calls him to be a performance artist. 
He calls him, he says, there's some things I want to communicate to my people. So I want you to build a model of the city and then I'm going to have you destroy it. And I want you to lay on your side for days at a time uh, to show how there's this separation and this broken relationship between me and my people. And, and then I want you to, to save some things up and I want you to bake bread over, I kid you not, human feces. And there's a whole, there's a whole lesson behind this. I'm giving you a no human feces guarantee in this place, by the way. And, uh, but, but Ezekiel at this point, he says, he says, Lord, seriously, I, I think this is taking it too far. I I don't even know if I can do that. You could read the story there in in that book in chapter four. And and God says, okay, I'm going to give you a break. I'm going to let you use cow poo and and you can burn that and you can bake the bread over that. I'm telling you, every time I go into Trader Joe's and I see Ezekiel bread, I giggle, right? (laughs) It's, it's so funny. But the experience in drawing people in has always been a big deal for God. He knows that that's one of the ways we learn. So there's a science behind what we do here uh, in the way that we do it. There's a, there's a biblical model. And then also there's this, uh, what we like to call like cultural exegesis part. That means that we look at the world and we say, how do people learn? How do people engage with God? Where are we as a culture? Um, there might be some of us in this room who were born pre-1962. Can I get an amen? Okay, good. Some of you. Some experts say if you were born before 1962, you are what is called an immigrant into this world. The people who came after 1962 are called natives. And you say, well, that's, that's no fair. I was here first. I don't want to be the immigrant. They're the ones that came after me. No, the entire world has changed after 1962. And there's a bunch of different reasons for that. One, a big part being the computer age. The way that we receive information, the way that we process information, the way that we do life with one another, this, this innate need for connectivity with one another has never been more than in this generation. So much so that we say, I, or me is, is not complete without we. So we, we put a high priority in this place on doing things together, hands-on as we approach God because the world has changed. We speak differently. We need to learn a new language. It's interesting, like throughout the years, maybe not a whole, not a long, long time ago, but in, in recent years, you know, over the last three, four, five decades, the church, faith, and art have kind of been at odds with one another every once in a while. At once upon a time, the church said, for faith to be real, we need to strip it of its emotion and all of its fluff, right? This is about knowing God, and this is about keeping the rules. And so faith and art uh, were at odds with one another. It's like there were a couple that showed up at a dinner party, like, faith and art, and, and faith was the prim and, and proper, well-dressed one at the party, and art was the one who faith is always having to kick under the table and say, you're going too far. You're taking it too far. That's not what this whole thing is about. But it's sad because faith and art are a beautiful couple. And those things, that experience and that interactivity and that participation in the things that God is doing has always been something that he is inviting you and I into. And so that's why we will go to great lengths 
to do things differently and to do them together and to, to have artistry and beauty involved in those things as a signpost to God as we worship him here in this place. We're going to practice this a little bit today. Uh, when you came in, uh, you saw some red cards. Those are not soccer, you're out of the game cards. Those, those right there, those red cards are for you to write on. And what we're going to do is, if you hold it like this horizontally, um, draw a line down the center of it. Draw a line down the center of it. And uh, the band's going to come up, and they're going to be doing a song. And you can think, you can pray, you can ruminate over this as you do this. Uh, on, on the left side... If you can think of one word that describes where you are at today in your relationship to God, especially as it relates to your worship of God, your response to God in your daily life, when you come into this place, one word that describes your state of worship with God. And then on the right-hand side, if you could pick one word that describes where you'd like to be, right? So maybe this word is amazing and exciting and, and fulfilling, and maybe it's confused and uh, questioning and uncertain. Whatever it is, it's okay. Write that on the left side. And on the right side, then write the word that describes where you want to be. Later on, we're going to do this. We're going to tear it in half. We're going to ask you to, as when the offering basket comes around later, to take the half that describes where you're at right now and drop it in the offering basket. And we're going to be praying for you. Uh, and then the, the other half that's the where I'd like to be, put it in your pocket, put it in your Bible, put it in your purse, put it somewhere where you can keep coming back to it and you can pray over that. All right. Questions come. What are you going to spend your free life on? God gave you this life, gave it to you for free. And he goes, what are you going to spend it on? What are you going to use it for? And everything we do here at Lakeside is designed to help answer that question and move us in the direction of the answer of that question. Because we believe God wants to transform as many people as possible into passionate and productive followers of Jesus. So grateful for Josh and John leading us through where we've been this morning in our conversation and our journey together when Josh talks about music and how it cements truths into our soul. That's music. That's what it does for us. That's what the music we do here does for me. When I look at my life and I go, oh, I've got a need for change. I've got a need for movement. I go back to the songs that I know. I go back to the songs that I sing, that we sing together. Because those things cement for me, this is what God wants to do in my life. Or I think about what John was talking about, about things that are participatory and interactive and how those things move the content of our faith. And the content is deep and rich and amazing, but sometimes the content gets locked in our brain. We're intellectual after all. We, we're thinkers after all. And Folsom, you know, we're full of software engineers and such and so like we think about things but sometimes if all we do is think about the content it gets locked between our ears and sometimes if it just stays there it dies between our ears and making our faith interactive making our faith something we participate in moves it from our head to our soul and that transforms us and so that's why we do what we do and the way we do it. 
course, there's one more part of what we do, or several more parts, but one more part that you go, well, well there's an obvious thing that we're not talking about yet, and that's every weekend here at Lakeside, you, you, you get a talk from, you get a talk from us. Like, you don't get to talk. We, no. Well, you get one from us, right? In a lot of churches, most, most churches have some kind of a talk, a homily, or a lesson, or a message, or some, a sermon. We don't call it a sermon very often here at Lakeside, because we just realized a long time ago, people don't like to get preached at. But we don't mind hearing a talk. We don't mind hearing a message because sometimes that talk unlocks something for us. I remember when I was in high school, first time I sat in a church that actually was giving a message from the scriptures. And I remember sitting in the balcony with, uh, in this church we were in, well, all the high school students set up in the, in the upstairs wing. And I'm sitting up there, I'm listening to the pastor talk, and all of a sudden I'm realizing, oh, God actually says things in the Bible that are that are relatable to us. God actually says things in the Bible that engage us. They provoke us to think and to act and to engage with who he is. And that was stunning to me because I'd never had that experience before. It's the experience you get sometimes when you're sitting in church and we're going through the talk or we're going through the message and all of a sudden you, you, you go, oh, he's speaking right to me. You know, sometimes you, some of you, you come up to me after the gathering in the lobby or something like, hey, you, have you been listening in at our table conversations? No, but God has. God knows. And it comes from his book. It comes from his story. The Apostle Paul describes this. He writes a letter to his young protege, Timothy. Timothy was a pastor in another town from where Paul was. So Paul writes him a letter. And one of the very last things the Apostle Paul wrote in this world that's recorded in scripture is in his second letter to Timothy in chapter 4, uh, verse 1. He's, he writes this to his young pastor friend. He said, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Stop. When I read that verse, I'm like, oh, this is serious. He's like, in, in light of who God is, in light of who Jesus is, and he's the judge of the living and the dead. Like, well, okay, that's serious. And in light of his appearing and his coming and his existence, I want to give you a challenge, Timothy. Now, you can see Timothy, he loves Paul, and he loves God, and he loves Jesus. Like, what, what, what do you want? What do you want of me? What do you want me to do and be in my ministry as a pastor? And here's the charge he gives to him. He says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. He goes, Timothy, in your role as a pastor, one of the things you've got to make sure you do, preach the word. If you've been around Lakeside very much, you know that I like to go, I, I want to know what the words are about when he describes things. So the word that he uses for word is the Greek word, Lagos. It's the word from which we get our word logic. And so you might think, well, it's all, it's all going to be logical. It's all going to be rational. It's all going to be intellectual. It's like, no, it, it's, it's that, but it's more than that. When he uses the word logos in the Bible, he's often talking about the scriptures. He's saying, preach the scriptures. It's why we go through this book every week. It's why we say to you week after week, hey, did you bring your Bible to church today? Because if you got your Bible, open it up because this is the time. Or we go, get your smartphone out and, and pull up the YouVersion Bible app because it matters because that's God's word. He goes, preach the word. That's the scripture. 
That's why we do that in our gatherings. But it's also something else. There's a place in John chapter 1 where the apostle, uh, in fact, he opens the book by saying this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, he could have just been saying, in the beginning was the scripture, until he says, and the word was God. It's like, well, scripture is not God. It tells about God, it reveals God, but it's not God. Now he's not talking about the scripture, he's talking about his son. You go on through that chapter, John chapter 1, you find out, in the beginning was the word, his name is Jesus, and he was in the beginning with God, and he was God. And so when Paul tells Timothy, preach the word, he's saying, preach Jesus. Make sure they know about Jesus. The whole mission is that we will be transformed as followers of Jesus preach Jesus. And so we do. It's what we do here at Lakeside Church all the time because Jesus is the one that matters. In fact, Jesus is the only thing that we all have in common. I mean, think of the variety of people that are among us here at Lakeside today. There's, there is not one thing that unites us all in common except Jesus. And some of, you are just, some of you are just being introduced to him. You're brand new in your faith in him. You don't really know what he's all about yet, but you're leaning in. Some of you have just gotten started, and you're like, well, I, I put my faith in Jesus, but now what? I just got baptized. Now what? And some of you have been following Jesus for a long time. But for all of us, he's the one that brings us together. There wouldn't be church gatherings if it weren't for Jesus. Paul says to Timothy, preach the word, preach the scripture, preach Jesus. Why? In his first letter to Timothy, Paul answers that question. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, he says this to Timothy. He says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Paul says to Timothy, you want your church to be nourished on the truth of the faith? Preach the word. Preach the scripture. Preach Jesus. Because it's transformational. It's life-changing. And we see it every day. That's why we do what we do and the way we do it here at Lakeside. God, would you bless us in this? Would you pour out your grace on us in these things we've talked about? There's a lot of other things we haven't talked about today, but in these things, we want to love you. We want to honor you. We want to follow Jesus with everything we have. And we admit that we stumble along. We falter along in our way. But Lord, we want you. And we want to lean into you. So thank you for the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Lord, for everyone who comes and everyone who's here today and everyone who listens to the podcast. Thank you that we get to do this together in this thing you call church. What a gift that is to us. Lord, thank you for it. We revel in it. We anticipate the things you'll do in us next to make us more like your son, Jesus. We come in his name today as always. Amen.